Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the uh, Quant and uh, Financial uh, Engineering Podcast, uh, where we give a voice to uh, anything quant. So my name is Patrick Zorro. I am a director of the Master in Financial Engineering at um, Lehigh. And I am here with Brett Friedman, who is a managing partner at um, Winhall Risk Analytics. Um, Brett and I connected recently, and uh, I don't. We should have connected earlier, quite frankly, because he's all about risk. In fact, he wrote an article uh, in September about the fix. So we'll talk about that article a little bit, and um, and then we'll also address, you know, what is a VIX doing right now and what it means. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, uh, the the title of his article in September was uh, is is a VIX broken. So, Brett, is it broken? <laughs> <laughs> well, first, thank you for having me. Uh, in my opinion, no, it is not broken. It is still a viable uh, index of uncertainty or fear or implied volatility, or however you want to term it. Uh, you know, a, a, I think yesterday the volume was over a million contracts in the futures uh, for the VIX futures that I don't think that's a broken contract. Uh, it seems to still have a lot of interest and people still look at it as the gold standard for volatility indication of the SPX. Great. So let's let's go back in time. Let's go back to September and let's let's talk about this article that you wrote. And and maybe we should start because not everyone might be totally comfortable or understanding what the VIX is about. Could you give us a bit of a primer on the VIX, first of all, to put everybody at the same page? Sure. So the VIX is volatility index that's traded on the uh, CBT. Uh, and it's a real-time market index representing the market's expectations of 30-day forward-looking volatility. So in other words, it's the it's the it's an implied volatility index of the S&P 500. So they take the S&P 500 index, they take some of the options that are surrounding there, a weighted average of the options, uh, puts and calls uh, for, for options with 30 days to go. And they kind of weight it to get it to be a fixed 30 day every single day. And they come up with a number. So it's not an historical volatility. It's not a realized volatility. It's a forward-looking volatility estimate. In other words, it's implied volatility. So that's what it is. It trades real time. There's futures on it. There's options on it. There is a another index called the VIVIX, V-V-I-X, which is the volatility of the volatility. I facetiously suggested to the exchange that maybe they want to do a V-V-V-I-X. Let's see how many things we can, how, how many times can we split this product? Uh, so it's a 30-day uh, implied volatility measure of the SPX, essentially. Is what has it is. changed? Has the component changed at all? Or is it, oh, because I know that there's a history uh, of the VIX. Uh, it's always looked at the options, the futures, I mean, the, 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 the weighting. Uh. I, I think, I'm not sure whether the there's a white paper available online as to how it's calculated. I, I, I'm not sure whether the calculation has changed. I vaguely remember that they changed it at one point. That's what I recall as well, Meaning yeah. That the weighting of the individual strikes was changed. Uh, but 
you know, as you know, the, you know, some of the out of the monies, the deep out of the monies can get very extreme volatilities because of the way the model works. So I, so I suspect they started underweighting those in, in, in favor of the at the money, but I, I honestly don't know. Okay, that's fine. So how did this idea, first of all, uh, you know, you wrote an article saying it is not broken, but so I guess someone was thinking, well, it is broken. So why 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 do do you think that they thought that it was broken? What was their oh, argument? Good question. Yeah. Uh, I sh- and I should say that I mean I wrote this article for Option Metrics, uh, which is a firm that produces implied volatility. It's 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 the source for implied volatility data for equities and futures. Uh, I write articles for them once a month, uh, and if you write for a living, you realize that the writing part isn't all that difficult. It's coming up with topics that's the difficult part. <laughs> uh, so I'm generally, you know, I'm fairly involved with the markets and I keep on with current trends and I'm constantly surfing around looking for new topics. And I found this topic by, there just seemed to be an awful lot of YouTube chatter about how the VIX during the regional banking crisis, during Ukraine, didn't really show significant upside what they were looking for. Uh, and so then the, there started to be speculation. These same people were saying the VIX must be broken, that the index itself is flawed since it didn't show significant upside during the most recent crises. Uh, and that's why I started, re- that, that's when I started researching whether it was indeed broken or not. Uh, oh, if you look at the, when I look at your article and you look at the charts, I mean, uh, there was some volatility in 2008. There was some volatility in, 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 in 2020 as well. So, right. So like most people, they have fairly short memories. Uh, and, you know, they, they came up with the idea that because it didn't rally like it did in uh, 2000, in 2020 and 2008, somehow it must be broken uh now one of the first things i did was i decided uh let's go back in time and see how much does this how often does this thing really go nuts and the answer is it's actually pretty uh it's pretty rare so i mean we went back in time and we looked at since 2004 4,926 observations, which is a pretty good sample set since 2004. It includes the financial crisis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Only 8.3% were above 30, 3.4% were above 40, and 1.5% were above 50. So if those are the, you know, those are pretty long odds. So if you're expecting this thing to rally above 40 every time something happens, you're probably going to be disappointed. Uh, so it just doesn't have the, it's not as volatile. I think people overestimate what the upside potential of the VIX really is. And I think one of the reasons they do that is that they forget this isn't a one day volatility index. This is a 30 day volatility index. It's the market's expectations for volatility over the next 30 days. So when people, when crises happen, People have to be convinced that this is going to be sort of a long-term thing, that it's not just going to blow over in a day. This is going to be a fixed part of the market for a while, and it's going to be developing 
and accelerating, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, th those expectations change. But if you don't get like new, the VIX is sort of hungry. If you don't get new news every day, it kind of, that uncertainty factor related to geopolitical stuff kind of goes away uh, or it goes down. And the uncertainty factor starts becoming less. So that's kind of why it didn't rally as much as it, as much as people thought it would have. So yeah, so you're basically describing a tool that is uh, more encompassing, a little more complicated than people think it is, because I know that often my students will come to me and say, "Oh, professor, look, uh, uh, the VIX is, is is not is not doing anything." Thinking that this thing is is a as you mentioned a day to day, uh, as opposed to a thirty day window. So they don't they don't really realize first of all how it's actually uh, calculated and computed, but also their the, their notion is changing as well of what what risk is about. Right. But let me get to let me let me just make a, a comment on the first part. The first part is also that people forget that the VIX is related to the S and P five hundred, not to news <laughs> in general. It has mm -hmm. to affect the S and P five hundred. The regional banking crisis was indeed a crisis. It looked kind of scary for a while. But the fixed income market was really the recipient of that of, of, of that news, not so much the equity market. The equity market was kind of sanguine about it for whatever reason. It was the fixed income market that was really insane about it, rightly so, I might add. So therefore, the VIX didn't really pop up all that much because it wasn't an equity issue. Uh, the other thing too is that there's two components to the to the VIX that make it that make it move, and you have to understand both of them. First, there's the uncertainty. You know what implied volatility essentially is. There's a historic volatility, uh, you know, the standard deviation or however you want to calculate it, with an uncertainty factor thrown in for what is the forward uncertainty of where this option is going to finally wind up. Which makes perfect sense. So that's the first part that goes in. So that's the so-called risk premium. So that would be realized volatility minus or implied volatility minus the realized volatility. Uh, and that's that's a differential. That's the first thing. The second thing is that uh, the VIX moves inversely to the SPX. Uh, so when the SPX, when, when the when stocks go up, the VIX goes down and vice versa. Now, why is that? Uh, there's a million theories about it. Mostly, in my opinion, it's because the way stocks are traded, when the market goes up, people are sanguine, people are happy, people are, you know, nothing's going on. When stocks go down, people start getting worried, uh, you know, and they start buying puts and things like that. So that, that there's kind of like that, that ingrained notion of what goes on in the in in the market, in crude oil, it's the opposite, which is interesting. Crude oil in commodities, or at least in crude oil, it tends to crash down. Well, it's it's actually not the opposite; it's the same. Now that I'm thinking about it, in crude oil, it tends to crash down, and 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 kind of drift up, and you know the big crashes are the part that's scary. So therefore, you see implied volatility going down, going up as the market comes off. And the same is true in 
and uh, stocks. Now that those two, that inverse feature and the uncertainty feature kind of trade off as to which one is more important. So like, let's take the Israeli war or the Mideast war. So it started out and it was unexpected, which is where you get the best or the, the biggest VIX drop, uh, increases. So it started out, it was unexpected. People bought the VIX because they thought, you know, this could turn into a regional crisis. This could be something really serious. You know, it affects oil supplies, blah, 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 blah. This could be real serious. After about a week or so, they decided, eh, maybe not. <laughs> uh, we're not really seeing this thing expand. At the same time, right around October 27th, the GDP numbers came out for the United States that were much higher than ever. And the mark SPX took off. That was kind of the low. And then the inverse relation kind of took over where the uncertainty factor kind of faded. The inverse relation to the SPX came out and the VIX crashed. The risk premium that you saw in the SPX right around October 27th was at its peak and it absolutely crashed after that. Currently, there's basically no risk premium in the market. The market is completely sanguine about what the future is. And that's why the VIX went from, I think it was roughly 22 at the peak of the Mideast crisis, which wasn't anything to write home about to begin with. Uh, and now it's currently around 14, which is a pretty big number, uh, a pretty small number. And it's toward the low end of the VIX. So, you know, that's what that's a, a, essentially what happened during the Mideast war. A bunch of nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah, and this is why the, you know my students come to me and say, "Well, look, uh, look what's happening, and the VIX is not is not doing anything." Um, but I think, I, I guess, from what what you're telling me, we, we need we need something that that first of all is not just um, a one day thing, right? It needs to be what I mean one day, maybe even one or two weeks, because it's a thirty day window. So you need the, and that's why I guess the financial crisis really was it, or and and COVID, because this went on and on and on and on and on and on, um, and uh, and you also need the the S and P to move as well. Uh, if it doesn't move, uh, of course, you know, is one leading the other because everyone is 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 thinking that if there is risk, so therefore the the market should be going down but 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 when they don't see it going down they think what well, the vix is not working so it, it it's extremely convoluted out there in terms of what they think is happening how it impacts so here's how i here's how i think about it which which keeps me sane in this regard yes so for a while in the beginning of the foreign exchange options market, I was a market maker in FX options for a large bank. Okay, this was a long time ago. Dinosaurs were running around on earth. Uh, when I used to sell options, so clients come in and they ask for a price on a particular option. They want a two-sided price, which is the rule in FX, you know, bid offer. Now, how do I make that price? Uh, so you, you can eat, you, so you have to make a determination as to what you think implied volatility is. So it's trading in the market, but you know, that's not necessarily, you know, do I want to shade it up or do I want to shade it down? What do I think about implied volatility? It's basically what the client is asking. They're asking me to quantify that number. Now, 
as a market maker, I'm not just selling puts and selling calls and buying calls and buying puts and doing nothing. I'm hedging those positions using to delta neutrality. Okay. And I would have next to me, and that's basically, so you have your options positions, and then you have all your hedges against those option positions. The hedges are usually in the underlying, i.e. you're going into the FX, you're going into crude, you're going into the S&P and buying the un or selling the underlying to get to delta neutral. So all you're playing is implied volatility. And you usually, as a FX market maker, if you're a significant player, you have a hedge clerk uh, who's another trader who basically deals with the hedge. Now, when I get asked, asked for a price, I lean over to my hedge clerk and I say, what's going on? In other words, I want to know how difficult is this thing going to be to hedge? Now, if prices are moving all over the place. We have a, a wide variance between the low and the high in the day, or I think it's going to be really gappy. Like tomorrow is going to be a big change. It's going to be a crazy day. They're not going to start jumping implied volatility because I have to charge more for those options. So like during the midi, so let's put it into the real world. In the beginning of the Middle East crisis, you know, it was mostly uncertainty. The market was kind of, it wasn't that nuts. It was just the uncertainty factor that was driving it. So I'm going to jump implied volatility because I think something might happen, but something's not happening right now. So far, I can hedge my positions. No big deal. But I'm worried about something might happen. So I'm going to start buying insurance. In other words, I'm going to increase my implied volatility. If it doesn't happen, <laughs> then I'm going to start saying, okay, it didn't happen. It's no big deal in hedging. You know, market's going up. I'm happy as a clam. I can start reducing my vol. And hence, the VIX starts coming down. If the market had started coming, if the SPX had started coming down radically, to me, it would have been, uh-oh, something's going on. I'm going to have to start increasing my vol. So that's kind of like institutionally how it works. Uh, I always think of, of the VIX, I think of implied volatility as how difficult is it for me to hedge this position? Put your, put your, uh, put your, uh, make it like you're a market maker and then you can kind of figure it out. So um, it's interesting because um, um, we have a combination of um, of three things. First, we don't, we don't know what really what drives the market. Uh, second, we really don't know. I mean, the people that say it doesn't work really don't understand how it works. And third, we really don't have that kind of an event that's going to cause it to move in a way that would say, hey, it's working. So at the end of the day, uh, let, let's take it a little bit to the higher level, um, because, you know, I'm thinking about the, the space nagel of the world and and, and the Taleb um, Nassim uh, of the world, which basically look at this market as a, you know what, let's not try to predict anything. Let's go long dated puts and just wait. What, what do you think about this type of strategy as opposed to trying to 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 hedge your position or your 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 portfolio on a on a quarterly basis, even maybe on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, just just wait for these events, which this one is not, obviously, because I don't think it's it's, it's not doing anything. That, Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that, that's sort of the 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 
you're waiting around and this is no overused term and I, I hate this, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> the, uh, you know, you're waiting for a black swan, essentially. You're waiting. And it depends upon who you are. If you're a hedge fund, it's an incredibly uh, depressing <laughs> strategy because every day, you know, you're you're sitting there long options, you're long volatility, you're long gamma, whatever you want to say. But you're in, in but you're probably having some fairly serious time decay every single day or nothing's going on. But basically, your book is kind of decaying every day unless you, you know, you do some sort of fancy hedge or something. But basically, you're not showing any returns for a long time until something happens. And again, uh, what I one of my points was the the idea of something happening is fairly rare. So you have investors and, uh, you know, I come from the hedge fund world mostly, and you have investors that are looking for monthly returns. Institutionally, as a business strategy, it's very difficult <laughs> to tell the investors, you know, don't worry, the Messiah is coming. It's, it's, it's most of the time he doesn't show up, <laughs> you know, and, you know, on the other side of the equation, though, it does, you know, what's the expression of? Uh, if it, it if it bleeds it leads and uh, uh that is that you know everything is increasingly a crisis lately uh you know and that people are uh, at least in the market i think are, are increasingly hysterical now why that is i don't know maybe it's the the advent of social media where you know the democratization of opinions about the market i don't know but it seems like when people want to get headlines when people want to get attention they predict crisis. They don't predict that, you know, there's going to be something happening, but no big deal. <laughs> we'll, yeah. live, you know, you know, we've lived through a lot worse, you know, don't worry about it. You're not going to be, you know, sleeping under a highway overpass anytime soon. Uh, and so, you know, that's kind of why the, the, the disaster, disaster funds are kind of getting, I think they're getting increasingly popular. Uh, but, you know, to me, it's just like these events are so rare. I can't, as a trader, as somebody who's, you know, my business is to make money every single day. It's not to make money once every year or once every five years. I don't know how to structure a business to make that work and keep the investors from cashing out, frankly. Uh, and you you read about these people every now and then about these funds. You know that this year they had five thousand percent return and stuff. You know, great. And all the other years, <laughs> what did they have? And you know, to me, also that means that they're you know they they were super concentrated in one bet or something. Uh, you know, they don't they probably weren't all that well diversified. So to me, you're you're seeing the ups of why these funds are popular is people read the up people read the. The, about the upside, but they never read about any of the downside. It's kind of like startup unicorn. You read all about the unicorns, but you don't read about the 50,000 other startups that, you know, failed and with, you know, were left with $1,200 in the bank. Uh, so that's my, the, the, it's a long convoluted answer to, I, I kind of agree with the strategy. I just don't know how to make it work <laughs> from a business standpoint, honestly. Right, that's what it is. And the advantage, I guess, that some of these funds have is that they they have the ability for the the um, I guess investors to wait, like you said, 
Uh, we're going to lose yeah, money I, for the next three years, and then we're going to make a lot of money. Maybe. Uh, you know, it, it kind of was like, you know, to me, like right now, I mean, I think, you know, a strategy like that might be merited because, you know, to me, it's, it, you know, I'm looking at the market on a medium term basis. Strategies that were good yesterday might not be great in a month. Currently, I think, you know, my own opinion, the VIX seems awfully low <laughs> for what's going on in this world. You know, we have problems in the Mideast. We have possible problems in, in Taiwan. There's a million flashpoints. Now, granted, there's always a million flashpoints, you know, but still this, you know, we have an actual shooting war going on in the Mideast. I mean, I lived through the oil crises of the 70s, you know, watching my parents worry about stuff. And I know what the potential is. And the the uncertainty factor in the VIX seems to be too low right now. So the risk premiums are almost negative. And to me, for what's going on in the world, that seems like a bizarre market forecast, frankly, for volatility. It, really it is it is a bit worrisome indeed because I mean apart from from the both wars the big wars that are going on right now the, you know you've got the weather right uh, you've got a huge amount of inflation running around um, you know political situations a bit everywhere so there's there's a lot of and you're right there's always been stuff going on in the world except I think the difference this time around is that we are so so connected uh that we to 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 such an extent i mean you know we were discussing before that you know a lot of people just can't get off the um you know their iphone and see what's going on and wh who's saying what to whom whatever and obviously all these people to get attention are going to say hey be careful it's coming it's coming so everyone is a bit worried about everything and um and we all could look what happened with the you know, at the beginning of the year with the, the the banks, I mean, in one one afternoon, I think uh, billions of dollars just just left the bank, and, and and in fact, I think they're looking into whether or not you know a customer flight should be a way to measure the risk of a bank. How quickly you know these people are connected that they could take their money in one afternoon because they just don't like what, what what's going on. So I would agree with you. It looks very very the VIX is very small based on all the things that could potentially happen. You know, and the, then again, we, we need people like you to, you know, traders to to find value and 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 uh, and, and and create a market. Otherwise, everybody just waits around. There's just nothing going on. That, that can't be. Yeah, and and the 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 thing with risk that I always worried about was the unexpected events. The expected events, the things that people predict, usually the world adapts, the markets adapt. And it never turns out to be as worse. You know, it could be bad, but it's never a, the, the cataclysmic thing that occurs. The classic example of that was the millennium thing. Remember when in, when we changed and all the computers were supposedly going to be screwed up and everybody was buying generators and everything? Well, <laughs> that was a classic example. People adapted and it didn't turn out to be a big deal. Uh, you know, today we have other examples of that. But to me, the... If you look at all the big VIX, the, the, the VIX movements, now they might not be as high as you expected, but the ones that are radical, where you got like, you know, either a doubling or it went up 75% in one day or something, were from completely unexpected events that nobody was talking about. 
like nobody was really talking about like regional banking crisis it's like i don't know i never even <laughs> most people had to look up okay who are these banks exactly what the hell do they do for a living uh the ukraine it was always kind of like you know this is kind of a flashpoint but i don't know <laughs> you know it's just they're always kind of mixing it up but i don't you know is this really going to turn into something serious probably not uh but then it happens and everyone kind of like does whatever they're going to do and then it kind of fades so it's again it's, it's these crises that have continuous change like the the financial crisis was scary because it was like you know on a weekly basis we were getting some insane piece of news that we never thought would you know i remember sitting there and hearing that you know like you know not to pick on them but you know like morgan stanley is is you know is in trouble it's like morgan's in trouble seriously mm -hmm. you know? and then everyone else yes i remember yeah, i mean that was like really that was scary covid was kind of scary i mean are we turning into you know 1250 europe or 1350 europe are we turning into the black death uh you know that's scary stuff but you know and that evolved over time and that's why the the vix stayed high as high as it did but you know the re the the recent crises if you look at the vix it, it spiked up and then it spiked down that duration is getting very is getting shorter so like the israeli conflict VIX went up and the VIX went right back to where it started from in 15 trading days. Yeah. Regional banking crisis, it was 19 trading days. Ukraine, it was 109 trading days. But just to put in context, the 2008 crisis was 338 trading days before it finally got back to where it started from. That's a long time. That's, so that's basically, I, I, I agree with you. So basically you're looking for something that's going to be, because the VIX is not a day to day, it's a 30 day, you need something that is not only bad, but evolving bad. And you, you had the 2008 crisis, obviously. So that that's, um, so that's, I mean, uh, Brett, thank you very much for this uh, insightful conversation. We could keep on going with this uh, and we will, but on, we will do this on a, on, on a separate uh, podcast. Just want to thank you for your time. Of course. Uh, and uh, we hopefully we'll see you very soon. Thank you. It was a pleasure.